Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. I blame Michael Jordan for Truly the Goats, or more precisely, for the constant mad rush to stick greatest of all time labels to every sports team, season, player, and game. Jordan wasn't the first to be called greatest of all time. We've already seen on Truly the Goats that Jim Thorpe, Babe Didrikson were each acknowledged as such 30 years or more before Jordan was born. But Michael Jordan's career with the Chicago Bulls and his run with the Dream Team at the 1992 Olympics created in North American sports fandom a seemingly insatiable need for the next great and especially the next GOAT. After all, Michael Jordan was basketball history in the making and sports writers were forced to contextualize his achievements against the all-time greats. Yeah, sure, the 80s saw the rebirth, well, the birth, really, of the modern National Basketball Association, thanks in no small part to the league's innovative new commissioner, David Sturm, and two superstars named Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. But that was the thing about Bird and Johnson. While the writers and fans recalled the historically significant days of Russell and Cousy of Wilton West, Bird and Magic kept the hype and hyperbole relatively in check by dint of each other's presence. Not Michael Jordan. By the 1990s, Jordan had no equal. As Magic Johnson said in his induction speech for the Dream Team. And I remember Michael Jordan sitting there telling us, remember this? We were sitting there and he took a puff of his cigar and he said, Larry and Magic, you had your run, but there's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) This sheriff did not necessarily wear a white hat, though. Instead... Lawman Michael Jordan left a path of destruction, shutting windows of opportunity for opposing teams and players seemingly single-handedly. After ending the championship run of the bad boy Detroit Pistons, Jordan Chicago Bulls stifled Brad Doherty's Cleveland Cavaliers, repeatedly beat up Patrick Ewing and the New York Knicks, ended championship hopes for Clyde Drexler's Portland Trailblazers, Peyton and Kemp's Seattle Supersonics, Charles Barkley's Phoenix Suns, and Stockton and Malone's Utah Jazz twice. Jordan and his Bulls beat everyone. He beat six of his Dream Team teammates in the playoffs or finals, won six NBA championships, and five league MVP awards. One main reason why Jordan was called the greatest ever to play the game by 1993 is that he had no rival. Or rather, he was so much better than the various second-bests of his era that he habitually pushed them aside. The only comparisons to Jordan possible were to be made in the past, to similar greats like Bird and Magic, Dr. J and Oscar Robertson, and later he'd be compared to the greats he'd spawned stylistically, like Kobe and LeBron. By the time he finally retired for good in 2003, Jordan was number one in points per regular season game. In fact, he and Will Chamberlain are the only players with more than 30 per game over an entire career. He also retired at number one in points per All-Star game and points per playoff game. He was number two in points per NBA championship game. Nearly 17 years later, he still holds all those spots. But those who saw Michael Jordan play only need the stats as backup in asserting his goatness. Never in an athlete were the intangible so tangible. The willpower, 
the essentially sociopathic desire to win and to win decisively, the quote-unquote athleticism. It all added up to six NBA title wins against zero losses. And then there was the ultimate intangible, the almost mystical, fantastical qualities. Jordan defied physics with metaphysics. After he went for 63 against the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird said unequivocally, Performance. I've never seen it before, and I had never seen it after. That wasn't Michael Jordan out there. It was God disguised as Michael Jordan. In the novelization of Hoop Dreams, Ben Jarofsky described the shot MJ's buzzer beater to vanquish the Cavaliers from the playoffs with. Jordan caught it, dribbled toward the basket, and jumped. Elo jumped with him, but unlike Jordan, Elo couldn't hang in the air. I Believe I Can Fly goes the song from the soundtrack of Michael's blockbuster half-cartoon science fiction comedy Space Jam. Certainly no one was inspired to believe they could fly based on that song, but those who saw Michael Jordan play damn near believed he could. For those of us who saw him play, Jordan was the best kind of sports legend. The legend whose story plays out in real time, with no need for exaggeration or speculation, with no question of a challenge to superiority. For us, Michael Jordan is basketball's GOAT. My name is Oz Davis, and this is Truly the Goats, sports history as told through its superstars. We hadn't planned on producing episodes of Truly the Goats focusing on 20th century single sports superstars this early into the run of the show, but the COVID-19 crisis of 2020 has thrown schedules into disarray everywhere, and a couple of regularly scheduled episodes have been shifted to the back burner. But if there's a silver lining to the coronavirus pandemic, the concomitant cancellation of games in major sports leagues around the world and stay-at-home orders, it is the captive, sports-starved audience that ESPN has won for its miniseries on Michael Jordan and those 1990 Chicago Bulls teams, The Last Dance. A whole new audience of millennials too young to remember the 90s is finally getting to see this legend win championships for teams other than the Toon Squad. Perhaps until this miniseries... Anyone under 40 is hardly aware of Jordan the Goat as more than a legend us now old guys rhapsodize about. Joining me for this episode of Truly the Goats is David Heim. Dave is a sports journalist based in Germany specializing in international basketball. He covers the Basketball Champions League, the EuroLeague and EuroCup, and writes for Germany's Basketball Bundesliga. He's also co-host of the official BCL podcast Coast to Coast. And way back in 2012, Dave and I started producing the Taking the Charge podcast, one of the very first podcasts on European and international basketball. But more importantly, for the purposes of Truly the Goats, is the secret origin of the bilingual sports journal now known as David Hine. See, Dave grew up in Chicago. As a young sports fan, he got to see up close and personal the winning ugly White Sox in 1983, the awesome if snake bit 1984 Cubs, and those incredible 1985 Bears, all before the world sports landscape changed with the arrival of Michael Jordan to the Bulls, Chicago's afterthought of an NBA team. Since Dave and I used to do reviews of movies and documentaries on Taking the Charge, not to mention that Germany sports leagues also remain on shutdown, I figured he'd be the guy to talk to about the legacy of Michael Jordan, the last dance through six episodes, and just how old all this reminiscing about those bulls makes him feel. So, David Hine, welcome to this special edition of Truly the Goats. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, long time no co-host. <laughs> you're, you're the host, you're the host. I'm just, I guess this time I'm just the guest, which is also nice. Uh, <laughs> well, 
it would be remiss of me not to do the zeitgeist thing and ask as you are now in the you're still in the quarantine situation in germany or what's the situation in germany with the COVID 19 uh yeah i mean germany's you know germ i think the best thing that happened to germany and also in a way i'll, I'll try to keep it brief but in, a, in the also the bad thing but the birth that the best thing was that Italy happened first. Um, and so so all the Germans saw all of these horrific images coming out of out of Italy um, and said, you know, we, we, we can't have this. And so even before, you know, Germany said, you know, social distance, don't go out of your house, even before they like really said, you, you know, you can't do this, they were already getting scared. And, and so... Um, numbers were really good and uh and so you know it was the it was the point where you know businesses were obviously going having problems and everything like that and numbers were under control the deaths were were really low they're still only at this point i think uh they should be they might top 7000 to today um so it's been really good i i know that's absolutely insanely uh, 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 crazy just to say seven, you know, less than 7,000 people dead is a good thing, but that's really the, 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 uh, the, 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 the time in the civilization that we're at right now. But, um, so you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do you open? And, 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 and Germany is a federalistic society where the states have the, 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 their own powers and, um, and and the German government really can't force anybody, and so they can make recommendations, but all the states kind of acted a little bit differently as far as opening up society to certain degrees, and then so you had so you had different states saying, well, how could you do this, and you know all these regulations, so blah blah blah. This is now two weeks, and the numbers are still good, but we're about this is actually as of time of recording is actually two weeks from the opening. And uh, and actually today, hair salons are finally open. So everybody's it's so funny. I have short hair, so it doesn't matter to me. But everybody's like, yeah, I can't wait for, you know, it's and it's mentioned all the time that hair salons are still closed and stuff like that. And um, so as of today, hair salons in Germany can open up as well. There's some schools, um, no kindergartens. The playgrounds have been closed. Those are going to open up soon. Um so to finish off the the probably too long too long story, but um, the next couple of days are going to be really 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 important to find out what the opening of society means to the numbers. And if we see a spike in numbers, and now the 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 all the business and all the industries are pushing the government more and more and more, we need to open up more and more and more because the numbers are still good. And so, but if the numbers start to rocket, which all of the virologists and epidemiologists and all those people, all the scientists believe will happen or fear will happen, if that spike does happen, then everything that Germany has, that Germany, that everything that Germany did correctly and efficiently goes down the drain. And so that's where we're at right now. So the next, so, you know, as of the time of this release, you know, look and see what Germany is happening, you know, because, uh, you know, this week is going to be super crucial for Germany. Um, and uh, I fear um, that the numbers are going to go up. I've, I have absolutely zero knowledge of this, but I, I spend way too much time watching political discussions <laughs> late at night. 
Uh, you no don't to say. Gee, nobody <laughs> in the States is doing that, Dave, I got to say. Um, and way too much time. And, uh, and so I fear it, and I hope that my fears – um, are not uh, confirmed, and uh, I hope that all of the social – so also this is the second week – this is the last point on this. This is the second week that everybody is required to wear masks nationwide, required to wear facial coverings uh, in stores and uh, on public transportation. So that's, so that's the situation in Germany. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, stay safe. Stay inside, watch a lot of ESPN, which is what we'll be talking right now. Let's talk some Michael Jordan. Let's talk some goatness. Let's talk some ESPN docu-series, The Last Dance. Uh, I want to go back. Let's go back way back to the beginning, Dave, like they do in the documentary. Let's flash back. And I'd like to ask you first, what was it like for you in Chicago to be growing up, basically, with this, you know, once-in-a-lifetime force playing for the home team? Uh, that's a loaded. That's a lot there. Uh, so I'm from Chicago, right outside suburbs. Uh, I could see the I could see the Sears Tower uh, crossing the 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 the, the railroad tracks. Um, and I was a lifelong Chicago sports fan. Uh, anybody who knows me from anywhere knows that I'm a, uh, a, a very passionate Cubs fan. Um, but you know that. It, so Jordan won uh, the NCAA title. I believe 82, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was, I was born in 74. So that was, I was eight. And that was just a little too early for me. I didn't, I was, I was, you know, uh, you know, slowly after that is when I started to get into college basketball and I was big college. I was a big college basketball fan, but that was, that was just before, but you look at a, you know, the early eighties in Chicago, you know, 83, you had the White Sox, um, you know, they went to the to the to ALCS. They had the they had the uh, the Cy Young winner. They had Tony Russo as a, as a manager, Carlton Fisk, Kittle. You know, this was winning ugly. And so they embraced the city, embraced them. 84, the Cubs, you know, they were one win uh, from the World Series. You know, Sandberg was the MVP. Sutcliffe came over in the trade and was the Cy Young. Um and then, and and then you also had the Bears, and this is really shortly mentioned at the beginning. Um, and then you had the Bears. The Bears lost in the championship game in 84-85 season, which was Jordan's first season. And then they won the Super Bowl the next year, which with with probably one of the most dominant teams in in NFL history. Um, so sports in Chicago was really big um the bulls weren't i did watch i did watch the bulls i mean you know we talked before and you know i remember uh orlando woolridge on the bulls i remember reggie theus and, and quitting daily uh artist gilmore a little too uh, not as much but like those three um uh, but obviously you know this was a and this is also brought up in the, in the beginning it's, it's it it wasn't the bulls wasn't a, a, a big ticket at all um and and uh, and then you have this whirlwind force of of just of of, of amazement. Um, I, I I wasn't inter- international basketball then, so I didn't really, you know, realize the 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 USA the gold medal team that he that he won uh, at the '84 Olympics. So that wasn't on my radar at all at that time. I didn't know international. I didn't really follow international bas- basketball at all, and and that was before the dream team. So, you know, even international basketball wasn't, you know, big in a, in USA 
you know, in, in the, the Americans sort of uh, consciousness. Well, we took it for granted. You have the you have the game in 72 and which is eventually why, you know, the dream team came, you right. know, because, you know, you had you had all these other teams beating the uh, the Americans. So uh, but I mean, George, I mean, you, you, you had to watch it. I mean, he was the most exciting player, you know, and I mean, I watched a little bit of the of the others. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a much bigger ba- baseball fan than than than, than basketball. Um, and, and anybody who knows me knows that. Um, but you know, I, I love basketball and I love the, the drama of basketball. Um, and, but you just saw this, this figure, you had the Jordans, you had the commercials, you know, you had everything, you know, this was just, and, and, you know, this, this was charismatic guy, this, you know, the, 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 the thrillingness of it and, and just the, the, the poetry and air and everything like that. You had the air Jordans, you know, the nickname, all this other stuff. And, and, um, so yeah, I mean, you, 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 you couldn't help, um, but, but be excited about this, this team. One of the things we like to talk about with regard to David Stern and that assemblage of the dream team is that this was the big step in internationalization of bat of NBA basketball specifically and of course the precursor to this is the entrance in the league of Marcellinus and Sabonis and Drazen Petrovic and guys like this um but you're in the trenches there in Europe so to speak this far down the line what can you point to and say this is the influence of of Jordan and the Bulls and the dream team on European basketball I don't know. I don't know necessarily if it's Jordan in particular. I mean, just the dream team, uh, you know, this was, you know, this was the best team that's ever been assembled, you know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, th- these were rock stars and the world had a chance to see them. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of, that was kind of, you know, I think, I think probably one of the, uh, almost most surreal images. I don't even know why would I feel like if I actually saw this, where there's Jordan in Barcelona and there's the huge picture of him, the Nike advertising of him, you know, he's walking down the street and he looks up and there's this, you know, this absolutely huge uh, banner of him. Um, and, you know, these were, you know, absolute superstars. You know, I, I don't remember what documentary it was, but um there was the one um where, you know, Stockton, you know, was almost a nobody. You know, if you look I at I was him, just gonna you, bring that up. They're rock stars except for Stockton. Yeah. Yeah, Stockton walking around as as as, 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 as because he was shorter too. Um and uh and you know he could just walk around and just and I, I think that was probably for him it was amazing because he could just you know he had a front row seat for all of this, you know, because he was actually you know, this legend, but nobody knew him, you know, nobody recognized him, you know. You had you had this this and I, if I'm not mistaken, this was probably this was actually a couple of years after Barkley said, you know, I'm not a role model too, right? And so Barkley was this huge figure. You had, you know, you had magic and you had all these these absolute legends and stuff like that and you know and and uh um but but i think it was the collection of all that just that team that inspired so many people even you think you know the angolan who goes and gets uh, a signature of of barkley either before maybe even before but definitely after the game at the at the olympics and you know they they were just such an uh 
uh, such an amazing collection of players and, and, and just the exposure of the Olympics, you had everybody, everybody watched the Olympics. And so, you know, people were able to see, you know, this is what basketball, what, what unbelievable basketball can be. And, um, and so it just, I think it just inspired so many more people. And then, you know, you, you had, you know, you had the storylines of the Olympics as well. You know, you had Croatia, you know, having just gone, having just gone through their civil war, you had, uh, you know, you had um, uh, Lithuania, you know, and their fight and stuff like that. So you had all these extra stories along with it. And so it just, I think it just, the, the, the amazingness of all of those players collectively, obviously Jordan was the best already at that time. He had already conquered the Pistons, had already conquered the, 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 uh, the Lakers. And, and he could just, he was obviously the super superstar, but just the collectiveness of it. And it just proved as a, as an unbelievable inspiration to so many, so many people around the world. Yeah, I would even say one of the underrated stories about the Dream Team, especially in America, is just the 92 tournament in general. Because, again, you had the Croatia in there. You had the Lithuanian team in there. And both of these teams have also inspired documentaries and whatnot. And the story yep. behind the story behind the Lithuanian team is fantastic. Uh, the, the other Dream Team. The other Dream Team, yeah. If you can find this documentary, this is one of my favorite basketball documentaries ever. Uh, there's a nice trilogy. If you take the documentary that Dave referred to before, I believe is just called The Dream Team. Uh, it was produced by uh, ESPN, and I believe that was 2012, I want to say, 20th anniversary. It might have been 2017, 25th anniversary, but uh, with the story of Stockton getting off the bus and everybody else being jealous of, that he can do that, he can just blend into the crowd unlike the rest of them. That plus Once Brothers, which was part of ES ESPN 30 for 30, and the other Dream Team, killer trilogy, killer yeah. trilogy. Yeah. I've been doing some podcasts on pandemic viewing, uh, stuff you can binge watch, something that, stuff that you can kill a whole day with. There you go. Watch that trilogy. You can see three of the three of the most interesting basketball themes of all time, let's say. Um, of course, in the case of the Dream Team, probably the greatest sports team ever assembled. But we're going to talk about goatness in just a little bit. Dave, the reason why I brought you here, let's get to it. What's your review on The Last Dance so far? You've seen the first six episodes? I've seen the first six. Um, you know, I, I, I think, and this, and this might rub people, this might rub some people the wrong way, and, 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 and whatever. <laughs> there, there's almost, there's almost too much Jordan. You know, so much is known about Jordan, and uh, I, I know that, that, that Jordan also kind of had to sign off on this, and, and there's all this, you know, whatever, quote, politics that went along with him actually finally signing off and all this other stuff. But, you know, I almost wish that they would go um, – like I said, there's so much known about Jordan, and, and, and it's so easy to go find stuff about Jordan that I almost wish you could go and, and that they would go a little bit more – into some of these other guys and, and present those stories, you know, that, that were so, so much a part of that, you know, um, actually, um, I, I just finished six today, the day of the recording. And then, and then, uh, um, I remembered that ESPN, I don't think it was a 30 for 30, but I remember the ESPN did a piece on, 
the 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 guy who was in charge quote in charge of following Rodman in in uh, Las Vegas and and I went back and actually I see that there was a 30 for 30 on Rodman uh for better or worse and actually I was just watching it just before we went on recording this because you know you know he's such an amazing personality it would be great to to see more about that so if you're interested in finding out more about Rodman go to ESPN that's a 30 for 30 um, I think it's called for better or for worse. It's on Rodman, but Pippen, you know, but talk a little bit more about Pippen and, and you know his background and stuff like that. Again, like I said, there's so much, and it, it's interesting about Jordan and all that, you know. And it's nice as a as a as a as a longtime Bulls follower, not necessarily a fan, but a you know follower. Um, it's it's cool to see some of those you know things again. Cool coach, for example, you know. I mean, you know. Why don't you mention that he's one of the one of the top players in European history? You know, he was on that he was on that three P team, you know, with Split. You know, there's no mention of that. You know, there's no mention of that at all. You know, so so a little bit of Jordan, for example. Okay, spoiler alert. You know, although I, I, I guess I don't know if everybody's seen it now, but like, does the does the does the politic thing have to be in there with Jordan and and his um and his thing with Gant, the 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 politician there? Okay, it, it to to me that sound that that kind of felt like a checklist. All right, quote Republicans buy shoes too. Check. The the access was fantastic. The the interviews great. You know, obviously it's 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 wonderful seeing all the action. Some of the old footage when you go back and and maybe they didn't maybe they couldn't find any. Maybe they 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 didn't you know uh, go back and and want to get the, the the images of Kukoc whatever. But you know, you know some some of this. It's great, uh, you know. It's it, you know seeing how dominant Jordan was. You know Pippen, especially. You know, go go a little bit more into Pippen. You know, for every for every two stories of Jordan, do one of of Pippen. Extra stories, extra segments. Do one on Pippen. You know, I mean, because Pippen, people can say Jordan haters, however many there are, if there are any. Jordan haters can say, you know, Pitt, you know, Jordan never won a title without Pippen, and and so again, uh, you know. Anytime, it's a great time to have it come out because nobody's, there's no sports. So um, it's a great time to come out. I think even if this had run, I think it was planned to go in the NBA finals. It still would have got great numbers. Um, but from, I think, but from a, from a, from a, from a, um, uh, from a filmmaking, from a filmmaking aspect, I think you, you know, actual documentary making tank, uh, standpoint, I think you would probably have a better, you could probably say a little bit better on this. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of the, the, the film guy. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Well, yeah, but it's supposed to be a series, right? So it's out of my purview now. Um, no, I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, you're kind of hitting on, on my take on this too, which is, okay, the problem is, is that they're having to reverse engineer everything. So in other words, okay, if they had gotten interviews with Luke Longley, there's no way Bill Wennington gets as much time as he did, okay? If Steve Kerr is not widely known as the coach of the Golden State Warriors, he doesn't get the time that he does. The thing is, like, you know, they even show this during the documentary, Paxson, hits the game winner on at least two clutch games. He hits the game winner on the the eighty second game against the Pacers when they when they win and they're in the playoffs to, to meet the Celtics. And then he ends the series that one year with a game winner. What's Kerr doing? Yeah. 
Kerr is coming off the bench in the second quarter as like the eighth or ninth guy, and he's hitting a couple of threes. And I mean, you know, he's a valuable part of that team, but geez, Longley started, you know, Kukoc, they were willing to blow up the team to get this guy. And like I always say, you know, uh, by the time they're winning that fifth and sixth championship, Kukoc is the best player from Croatia, which is one of the top, what, three or four basketball playing countries in the world? Well, you can argue he was the best player in Europe. Yeah, oh yeah, at that time, yeah. He was a year league MVP of the of that Hugo Plastica split that 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 won the three ch- championships in a row. Right, KK split. I mean, everybody went crazy about Doncic, you know, and he won he won the Euro League. Kukoc did it three times in a row, you know. And I don't believe there's been a three peat in Euro League since. There hasn't been one since. No, there hasn't been one since. That was a big deal. That was a very big deal. Yeah, he was he was the best player in Europe. Look, I think I think it I think it's great, and 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 I think it's great that you have you know the the dynamic of the of you know, at the Olympics, you know, hey, you know, Jordan, you know, saying or whoever was Jordan or I think it was Jordan, but, you know, saying, hey, you know, you don't touch Kukoc, let let me and Pippen and Scotty have him. I, that's great. Uh, but and especially since you get an interview, if you have the interview, with him, show who this guy is, who, you know, who, like you mentioned, you know, they're going to they're they're really, you know, blowing this, you know, they're really uh, in danger of blowing this thing up with Pippen and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, t- tell tell everybody who this guy actually was. They said, you know, Kraus was was, you know, going over there and, and watching him. And, and, and you know, really liked him, but tell him why, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We we have no idea why they were willing to make such a gamble on Tony Kukoc. And and that's one of the weaknesses of this thing. Yeah, now I hadn't heard about, I mean, I, of course I can imagine that, you know, Jordan is demanding, I get 50% of screen time, I get final say on, you know, you get to come back to me if somebody says something about me, you know, like Isaiah, for example. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's in there. And, and the problem, of course, is they have to reverse engineer it this way. And the real problem with Doing it like this, you know, sort of this reality TV version is that, and I wanted to discuss this one with you, is, Dave, do you feel old? Because I feel like this documentary has almost nothing new, you know, has a little bit of that sideline stuff, because uh, they had a crew following Michael Jordan for a possible documentary that was never made. So now, as I understand it, ESPN is just like kifing some of that uh, stuff from that cut and using it in here. So when they're talking about Kobe uh, in episode five at the all-star game, you know, this is one of those moments. Okay. That's brand new. Nobody's ever seen that stuff before. Okay, fine. But the great majority of this stuff, Dave, I feel like is for the millennials. It's for the LeBron generation. And I almost feel like this is a documentary, not for us. I was watching the 63 game, 63 point over uh, triple overtime game live on my what is it? Uh, God, is it? it's like a seven, eight inch by eight inch black and white uh, parents TV in the kitchen because my parents were watching something in the living room and I don't know. I mean, does that make me old? I mean, you have a certain you know nostalgia value for for the for the for the you know for the fans, but again, okay, so. Yes, I agree that um, you know that that there's a there's definitely a, a, a large, major element of of um, you know hey you know you guys all think this guy's the greatest you know LeBron or, or anybody else Kobe you know even have Kobe saying you know I wouldn't have anything you know I wouldn't have my rings if it wasn't for Jordan um, you know but you know this is this is Jordan you know and so um, I, I think there's a lot of that in this. 
which which kind of makes me wonder why it took Jordan, uh, if he did have to sign off uh, as 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 widely reported, you know, why it took him so long to 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 uh, to sign off on it. I mean, okay, he looks, I guess, here in time, you know, here and there, maybe it looks a little bit bad, but I mean. You know, there's always this, you know, this it's it's pretty common knowledge that he wasn't, you know, that he was a super motivated, super driven, super, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, athlete that that, you know, pushed his teammates, you know, didn't, you know, if you didn't do something right, he's going to yell at you. This was all, you know, and he was petty. You know, that was from the the the, the Hall of Fame speech. All of that was com- like more or less, I think, common knowledge. So anyhow, but. I agree. I, I I think it is, and I, and if I'm not mistaken, somewhere I saw I think that that it was signed off the day they that 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 uh, the Cavaliers won the the NBA championship. <laughs> nice. That's perfect. That should be in part ten. If that's not in episode ten, I'll be disappointed. That day is is the day he that the day LeBron won in Cleveland was supposedly the day Jordan signed off on this. That's that's amazing. That's Jordan-esque. That's fantastic. That needs to be in episode 10 of this series. If that's not in there, I'm going to be disappointed. It is cool. And, I mean, I tell you what, I, and I and, I, and to be honest, I, I think it, it, it for 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 younger fans, um, this this is right in my wheelhouse because this I grew up with this team. You know, I, I didn't go. I never saw them live. You know, I'll, that for, you know, but I watch them on the TV all the time. Also colored TVs. Um, I watch them all the time. And um and uh, so it was cool. It was really cool seeing all these images. You know, you would see a game. I mean, just take, for example the their first championship you know when when jordan goes up he drives down the lane he goes up everybody he's gonna dunk with the right hand he goes down takes it up with his left yeah switches hands yeah after that game me and my brother went out to our to our rim in our backyard and we're doing that sure you know it's like inspiration exactly right after the game was over 10 minutes later we were outside doing that move you know I think it's cool for the young people uh, just to kind of cl- bring it back. I think it's great for the young people to, to have a chance and, and see this. Well, I, I almost feel like the 90s Bulls are the sports version of cult TV. You know, like like I'll sit there and I'll watch these old episodes of Star Trek over and over and over, like whenever they're on. And I feel like that's what this is like. You know, yeah, I know these highlights, but it's awesome to see them again. You know, you're you're comfortable with them. You love them. They're they're punch the air moments. You and, know, and one of the things that that this series kind of really hits home, and I realized it, but I was so close to it, I didn't like necessarily realize it. You know, he, he was, and this is like this is Jordan, okay, but you know, he was an unbelievable rock star. You know, I didn't realize that where was where was the one game? I think it was in episode six. Um, uh, was it Atlanta where they played in the Georgia Dome? Is that where they played it? Where the 60,000? 60, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Um, and, uh, and then there was the one, there was the one sequence of, of, of scenes where, you know, he's in the hotel and then he comes down from his hotel room and there's all the fans there and, you know, in the arena and then he, you know, and, and then it, it just, um, it just, you know, you can't imagine how big of a star he was. And then, you know, also um, to the fact that, that, you know, you kind of 
can see how you know when you kind of had the end of that the, the, the this all this popularity and all this you know you get physically and mentally drained he talked about this after after the third the first three Pete, you know, you're so drained. And, and then you, he had his father get killed tragically. And there was obviously a great, you know, this very close connection to him. And, you know, you can understand, you're like, I can't take this anymore. I don't need anything to prove nobody else. You know, none of these other superstars did a three Pete. So, so screw y'all. I'm going to just go play baseball, you know? And, <laughs> and he's basically, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I'm going to go do what I want to do. I just want, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to go down to Sarasota, Florida, and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go hit some, try to hit some, some curveballs, you know? Fuck it, why not? Uh, okay, so I'll get you out of here quick, but uh, this is truly the GOATs. And uh, you may be biased, but I got to get a couple of. Congrats, congrats on that. So, yeah, so for people who have listened to it so far, uh, keep listening uh, because, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> doing a great job. So, um, Okay, so I just wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions. Short answers first. Easy one. Is okay. Michael Jordan the GOAT? Short answer. We'll do the longer <sighs> one in a minute. Greatest of all time. That's what GOAT means. Uh, yes. Are the 95-96 Chicago Bulls, who win 72-10 and 10 in the regular season, 87-13 and 13 overall, are they the GOAT single-season NBA team? Yeah, you know, that 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 I can't really as, as distinctively say. Look, I mean, uh, this the, 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 the team, this last team, this 97, uh, this 96-97 this team, they were old. And, you know, you had like, I think, four or five 30 plus guys. And, and, and it wasn't just the role players at the end of the bench. You know, these were like, you know, big time dudes, you know, being big, you know, getting older and older. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were some really good teams, man. And, and, you know, even, even the first run, even the first run, I mean, Grant, Grant sure. was amazing. Sure. And, and, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, Pippen was, you know, Pippen was, you know, you look, you look back and you're like, damn, man, Pippen was so freaking good, you know? So, well, the first, the first team had, Cartwright and Grant yeah. and Paxson. Yeah. And the second team had Kerr and Rodman and, you know, the three-headed monster. I, I, I like Rodman. I like Rodman better than Grant, um, but I probably like uh, Cartwright better than, than, than what the, uh, than what the, uh, the second trio had. So I'm, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that one. Hey, they won the most, they won the most games, but you know, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? You know? You don't have to say if he's the good yet because it's yours and you can save it for the end. I would take the roundabout route here. Uh, I think that, you know, one of the one of the impeti for Truth of the Goats is to talk about let's have some perspective. Like like when we say truly the goat, especially in something like NBA basketball, which Let's have a little perspective. Hasn't been around for that long. Has some very distinct eras. It has a lot of rule changes like NFL football from year to year. Right? It's not like baseball, which tends to stay in a bit of a vacuum with regard to the rules and the way the game is played and the, and the major. I mean, three strikes and you're out is going to be around forever. Right. I mean, imagine imagine introducing like a, a five balls rule, like the three point rule in basketball. Right. Just doesn't happen in a sport like baseball. Right. So but I wonder if when we answer this question, who is the goat in basketball? Are we also answering another question like, 
what do we prefer out of our grades, right? Because, okay, basically, and, and Charles once, be, Charles Barkley recently became a lot of clickbait because he named off his top seven or eight players. Now, look, basically, I think everybody that's seen enough NBA basketball can agree on the top eight, right? It's Kareem Russell Wilt, Jordan Bird and Magic, and then you've got Kobe in there and you've got Oscar Robertson. That's pretty much your top eight, right? The only question is, like, how do you shuffle that? And how you shuffle that is based a lot on whether you actually saw them in real time. But it's also based on what do you like more? Do you like stats? Do you like championships? You know, do you like the guy that makes his teammates better? Um, And if you're going by, you know, it depends on what metric you're going by. Because you can make the case that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest NBA player. Uh For sure. He He dominated the 70s. He was the best. He made the Lakers. Well, he remade the Lakers in the post, let's say, Mikan era. He had the unstoppable shot. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Which blows my mind why people don't take that shot. It still blows my mind why people don't take that well, shot. Well, I mean, the, Kareem's wingspan is ridiculous. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be that much, man. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's a whole other discussion. That's true. Well, Dave, yeah, I'll, I'll go down. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to say Jordan's the goat. I'm going to say the Bulls are that, that that Bulls team is the greatest team of all time. And and I'm saying this as a Lakers fan, but I think without dispute, the Dream Team is the greatest team ever assembled. I think in any sport. That without a doubt. One of the reasons why I think that I really think that Jordan is is um, is I, I real why I pick him and. Uh, uh, so Bird and Magic, I only saw the end of that. Uh, I didn't see any of the any of Wilt and um, and, and obviously none of Russell. But um, he, he and you even saw this in the draft. You know they're like, well, you know a young a, a guard a wing, he's not going to dominate the game. You need big guys. I think it was Mark Eaton. You know they had Mark Eaton. They, this guy's not going to do nothing, right? You know. So he, he he changed the game. Kobe Kobe is for as money as much as as people love Kobe, and I know you love Kobe, but Kobe is is a lot of Jordan. You know, if there wasn't Jordan, there wouldn't be Kobe, uh, because Kobe is almost Jordan 2.0. That's but that's I don't want to make any people hate me on, on Kobe, but because Kobe was a fantastic player, but Jordan changed the game, and and Jordan didn't do it just just offensively. That's what you see a little bit on this uh, in this as well, just how ferocious he was defensively as well. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he went through his growing pains, uh, of, 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 you know, having to overcome, uh, the Pistons. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he, Hey man, he won three in a row. So if you go by rings, he's also right up there. Cause he was, he, you know, he won three in a row, which, you know, not many people can say they did. Um, then he left the game, you know, he left the game at the pinnacle, you know, he had just three-peated. Went to play baseball for whatever it was, 15 months. It was away from the game. Came back, and then and he and he didn't come back. And he was like 28, I think it was. So let's see, he was born in uh, 80, 63. Came back. What was it? 94, 95. He came back. So he was like 30. He was like 32 already. You know, he was already 32 when he came back. You know, he won the last championship. Uh, and last championship. Uh, 63, this is great radio, 63, uh, 35, you know? 
he was 35 when he won the last championship. I don't, I don't know, you know, when, when Bird, when Magic, and all those other guys won their championships, you know. But he three-peated as the unbelievably the most dominant player, you know, on his team and the league at 35, um, and and still left the game, you know, and came back. Uh, what did he have? Two more years? Yeah, two more years. So what did? Uh, you know, played two more years. And so 99, 2000, 2001. So he's away for three years before he came back to, to Washington. Um, and still, you know, and, dude, he averaged, he averaged 23 points a game. He was still a top 10 scorer. In 2001, yeah. 2000. Yeah, he's still top 10 in the league. Yeah. And, and he was six for six, six for six, six for six in, in, in finals. Um, and yeah, nobody ever beat him in the finals. Nobody ever took him to game seven, right? So, you're demonstrating the fact that, you know, championships are the key thing for you, the the abstract winning thing. Because the same argument can be made for LeBron. Look, he's 35 right now. He's been playing the whole time. The longevity is sick. And LeBron, yeah, and that's and, – and he came right out of, high, uh, out of high school. You know, Jordan – you know, Jordan, Jordan, he skipped only his, his junior year, uh, his senior year, which also at that time right. was unheard of as well. You know, that, you know, you look at now, you say junior year is like, oh, that's nothing. But at that time, you know, 84, that meant a lot, you know, that he was leaving early. Um, um, but I, I, I think everything, when you take everything to account, he changed the game. You know, he took it as a big from a big man sport. And, and who won? Who won? Who won when they were gone? Yeah, big man. Yeah, that's won, true. You know? <laughs> it's true. Yep, you're you're dead on. And who represented the East was Shaquille O'Neal's Magic. Exactly. It was it was O'Neal, and it was on and it was O'Neal who beat him when he came back uh, in March. You know, when the when the MLB was on strike. You know, it was because you know, and they they beat him to go to the playoffs in the in the in the in the uh, 94-95. So. That that's why I say there's you say the titles and you say you change the game and and the the longevity and you know you know the fact that that he's uh, he's he's won he's 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 ha- he's led the league in scoring and won the M- and when won the NV- N- uh, sorry he's led the league in scoring and won the NBA title alone more times than any other player than all of the players combined all right david hine thanks very much for joining us on truly the goats enjoy episode seven through ten of the last dance and uh, stay healthy buddy thank you man you too thanks for having me on and uh keep up the fantastic work and stay safe as well truly the goats is all about having perspective on the history of sports but a force like michael jordan makes it nearly impossible bill russell has more championship titles Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has more points, and LeBron James needs about mm, three more seasons to pass Kareem in total points scored in minutes played. Maybe someday LeBron will get his own 10-part miniseries on ESPN. After all, in theory, he'll soon have his own Space Jam, right? But until then, this on-air greatest hits collection only reaffirms what my generation of basketball fans knows in their hearts. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. This has been True the Goats, an inclusive medium production. We'd like to thank our guest, sports writer and podcaster David Hine. Extra material, show notes, blog posts, and other related stuff on The Greatest of All Time are available on our website at trulythegoats.com. On Facebook and Twitter, find us at Truly the Goats. For more inclusive medium podcasts and video productions, visit us at inclusivemedium.com. I'm Oz Davis, thanking you for listening to the Truth of the Goats podcast. Enjoy the last dance, and everybody, stay healthy.
Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know, that can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.